Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have at least one person in your life that is, how shall we say it, a little hard to love? Can I see your hand in the air? You know somebody in your life, a little hard. You better not be sitting next to them. I saw some people right over here looking at each other like, maybe I do know somebody. It's going to be a rough afternoon for you, sir. I want you to think about this as we're getting into this series, Relational Vampires. There are people in our life that no matter how much we love them, there are certain times in our life that they can be cranky, they can be controlling, they can be a little bit smidge of annoying. They can be a lot of things, okay? So over these next few weeks, we are going to try to figure out how to love, how to be, how to be godly people with the other people in our life that sometimes are a little bit difficult to be around. So there are several things coming up. Maybe write this down so you make sure and have the order all right and ready to go. Next week, we are talking about people who are overly critical. So that's right. We're talking about your mother-in-law. That's going to be next week. The third week, we're going to talk about folks who are overly needy. Fourth week, write it down. We're going to talk about hypocritical people. What are we going to do with those folks? And today, we're going to talk about control freaks. Control freaks. If you know anybody in your life that's a bit of one, can I see a hand in the air? You know one. If they're holding your arm down now, you definitely have one close in your life. Don't you better, better not. Look, relational vampires, because sometimes when people are a bit hypocritical, when they're a bit needy, when they're sometimes overly negative, it's like an old school vampire. I want to suck your blood. And on Halloween, we thought, you know what, let's have some fun. So relational vampires, sometimes it sucks the life out of you. I'm excited to get practical and see what the Word of God has to say about being the best godly people we can be, even around people who sometimes makes it a challenge. And sometimes we might make it a challenge. So it's not just everybody else has got the problem. We're also going to do our fair share of looking into the mirror. And I think it's going to be really, really, really good. If you're excited about it, say, oh, yeah. Okay, grab your communication card. Write this down. It leads us to our one big thing today. Talking about people who can be a little bit of a control freak. God's calling gives me confidence. God's calling gives me confidence. When we're dealing with people that try to be controlling, you know these people, like when they apologize, they say things like, I'm sorry you made me yell at you. Your fault. If you would just do what I told you to do, everything would work fine. These people that try to control a lot of the things in your life it could be somebody that's close to you, somebody not as close. It sometimes rips at the very core of who you are, like they're trying to get you to do something maybe you don't like, or they're trying to get you to be away. That's not really you. Or they're trying to take you or influence you or push you in a direction that you're not comfortable with. 
And you're a little afraid, maybe it's at work or in your neighborhood or just in a friend group, a peer group, that if you push back or if you say, no, I'm not really about that, then are you going to look weird, strange? Then are you going to be that person that won't just, you know, go and do everything else that everybody else is doing and you're the person that stands out? Sometimes, you know, it's hard to stand out. It's hard to be different than some of the other people in your group. So knowing God's call on your life, having clarity on the person that God has called you to be, having clarity on how God wants you to live, how he wants you to behave, how you're going to treat your fellow man. It gives you guiding principles for life. So you're not always pushed around. So you don't just change. Maybe you know people that they act very differently depending on the kind of people they're around, almost like a chameleon. They'll just fit in with any kind of group. They'll just be whatever way they need to be to kind of fit in. And we can do that sometimes, too, as adults in the marketplace, in our jobs, in our neighborhoods. So we've got to discover some clarity of God's call on our life. For me, when I think about this, I do a flashback to when I was at school at the University of Oklahoma. I was playing football my senior year of high school and had a knee injury. And my best friend on the team, we were playing defense, his helmet goes right here when I was about ready to jump and try to block this punt, and the ACL, MCL, the meniscus, all of that just kind of explosion. So that leads, of course, to surgery, and I thought, man, that is the most amazing job that anybody could have. I mean, if you could get paid to use power tools on humans, go in there and just screw them together, patch them back up. That would be awesome. Put a DeWalt in my hand and do that. So I'm like, well, maybe I'll do that. So I go to school, doing pre-med, doing all the basic stuff. Freshman year goes by, it's fine. Senior year, excuse me, sophomore year. Sophomore year, I'm feeling a little bit meh. Like, meh. Like, it's okay. Like, it's all right. I'm feeling like pulled in a couple of different directions. I don't know if you've ever felt that. Like maybe you're going a certain way, but it maybe is not God's way for you. It's not a bad way. It's not like an evil way. Sometimes the biggest enemy to God can be a good thing. Doctors, awesome. Teachers, awesome. If that's what God wants for your life, that's amazing. I'm glad you know that. For me, I was walking this path and feeling like, I don't really, is this really what I'm going to do. I was in this campus ministry. I was leading worship, playing bass, singing. Becky was on the band at that time, and she was teaching me how to sing and rocking and rolling, and I'm just feeling more and more and more drawn to the things of God and thinking about that more and more. So I go up into our facility by myself one night. We were using this old bar as college students to do our campus ministry thing, and so I had a key, and I went up by myself, and it was this big stage made up of four by eight plywood sections like three feet off the ground and I went up there and I just kneeled down I started to pray and I'm like God I I just want to do what you want me to do that's it I don't have to do any particular thing I I want to do what you want me to do and it's a dangerous question to ask God especially when you're young enough when you've got some years in front of you it's like I'll do anything you want If I'm the canvas, you're the painter, paint what you want. I'm the instrument, you're the artist, play what you want. What do you want to do? And I was praying and praying, and man, I just started to see uh, my friends in my mind coming to know Jesus as Savior. I began to see God moving in power 
on the campus. I begin to see things in my mind of God healing people and, and God in work in people's lives. And I felt that night that God called me into full-time ministry as a job, as a life. And that changed my life. It literally changed the course and the direction of my life. And when things have become hard for me, or when somebody has offered another job, or to be able to switch into a different industry, or maybe you could go over here and make some money, or do whatever it is, there have been times where the call of God was the only thing that kept me centered. And when life gets tough, and things are pulling you in all these different directions, you've got to know that you are doing what God has called you to do. And if you have that feeling, you can deal with anything. You can deal with anything, any kind of situation, any kind of person, any kind of interpersonal relationship or tension. You can do it if you have a confidence in the calling that God has on your life. So I want us to look today at the confidence that Jesus had in his calling. How convinced Jesus was about what he was supposed to do while he was on this earth. So Jesus was 100% man, but also 100% God. And early on in his ministry, he's like young 30s. He's got some men who are following him, his disciples. And he's teaching them. He's mentoring them. He's, he's raising them how he wants them to be and to become. And we see this point of tension. Everybody say a fight. I like drama. This is not like an all-out fight fight. Like, we're going to throw down, but this is an argument, and it's heated. Voices are being raised, people. How many of you have been in an argument in the last couple of months where voices have been raised? May I see a hand? Not so loudly, please. Voices are raised. Exclamation points are written down, okay? Let's check this out. This is Jesus. And his disciple, one of the closest people in his life, Peter. So already we know it's not completely evil to have contention or conflict with people that you love. All of us who have a problem with conflict and it's scary, it's okay. Having conflict in a relationship doesn't mean it's evil or something is breaking apart. It means on the other side of that is new strength and new hope. And if we can get through that, you can grow. But there was conflict with Jesus and his disciples. Okay, so check it out. Jesus had just finished telling his disciples that he was going to live, do earthly ministry, things were going to happen, then he was going to suffer, and then he was going to die on the cross, and then he was going to be resurrected. And the disciples who were following him, Peter, he did not like that. You're like, that's, that's not a good plan. This whole plan of you dying, that's not good. Don't like that. So here's what happens. Matthew 16, 22. Peter took him aside. Can you just imagine? I'm just envisioning this. Like, let's say Jesus is there, and there's people around, and Peter's one of them, and Jesus says this, and Peter's like, <clears throat> Jesus, can I have a word? Just, just a word. Jesus is probably like, okay. So they're off to the side, right? This is like away from the group. 
Peter pulls him aside. He's like, can we have a word? Jesus is like, okay. So here they go. They're, they're off to the side. Peter took him aside and began to, what is that word? Rebuke him. This would be like a freshman pulling Nick Saban to the side. He said, hey, coach, I got a problem with the game plan. Start rebuking Coach Saban. Coach Saban would send lightning down and just <laughs> this freshman. He pulls Jesus aside, and he's trying to tell Jesus what they should really do. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord. He's like, all the stuff you just said, wrong. Not going to happen. Not good. You got that one wrong. Not going to happen. Never, not on my watch. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Exclamation point. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. And do you know if Jesus ever calls you the devil, you've done messed up. You just put it in the book. You have done messed up. If Jesus ever calls you the devil, Jesus would know. Jesus says, you are a stumbling block to me, and you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You're a stumbling block to me. So is it possible that some of the people in your life that love you the most, if their mind or heart is not right, inclined into the will of God for your life, that they can make it harder for you sometimes than it is easier? Peter loved Jesus all the way. Peter loved him, but he got it wrong. Jesus loved him and said, son, you're acting like the devil. Believe me, I would know. Jesus rebuked him. Said, no, you're acting like the devil. The one thing that jumps out to me about this whole thing is that you don't see a pause. You don't see like, when then Jesus turned to himself and pondered for a minute. Jesus went off and to spend an extended time journaling to make sure that he was doing his father's will. Jesus, he already knew. He knew all the time. He knew exactly what God had called him to do. And it wasn't the path that Peter was talking about. In Jesus' mind, he already knows. I have come for the people who are sick. I haven't come for the healthy. I've come for the sick. I haven't come for the perfect. I have come for those that need the Lord. I have come to be the perfect Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I have come to save and change you and all of humanity. Do you guys believe that today? Jesus already knew that. But Peter didn't know. I mean, Peter was trying to do the best he could. He didn't want to see somebody that he loved die. So maybe he wasn't totally wrong in wanting that, but it wasn't right. That makes it hard. Peter, in his love, was trying to push Jesus off of his path. This shall never happen to you. Now, this is my personal belief. It's my belief that when Jesus was talking to Peter, Jesus already knew what he was here to do. This was already in his mind. This is already in his heart. And Peter was saying that. When Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, it's of my opinion that I think Jesus was literally thinking about 
a moment that had happened not too long ago where Satan had literally tempted him. I think this made him think back to that. Think back to that feeling of you're trying to push me off the course just like Satan tried to push me off the course. So get behind me, Satan. You're reminding me of him right now. So let's go to that. This is Jesus. I know this is crazy, but man, that's what makes the word of God and all of this so interesting. So Jesus is fasting. He's praying for 40 days in a row. At the end of this, the devil comes to him to tempt him. Not in the beginning, but in the end. And this is one of the temptations. Look at this. Next, the devil took him to a peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Not heavenly kingdom, but like all the kingdoms of earth and their glory. The devil said, I will give, I'll give it all to you. There's no need to go down this path of suffering. I'll give it to you. Why would you have to go to the cross? Why would you suffer for all of these people? You're perfect. Why go the hard way? I want to give you a shortcut. All you have to do is just kneel down. And worship me. I'll make it easy. See, the devil was trying to push him off his path. Like Peter was trying to push him off his path. So if you keep reading, Jesus says, away from me, Satan. Rebukes him. Moves forward in God's plan and purpose for his life. So I'm not saying that Peter was the devil, but I am saying that he was distracting and pulling Christ away from his calling, just like the enemy was. And I think it made him think about it. Jesus had such confidence in what his father had called him to do. And the devil offered Jesus a kingdom, but without the cross. Is 90% obedience obedience? If you ask your kid, and you're like, I want you to make your bed, and I want you to vacuum the floor. That's what I want you to do. Are we all good? Are we clear? Yeah, good, good. Okay, we're all good. And you come back, and they made their bed, but they didn't do the floor. There's so many times where we want to justify, well, I did almost everything you wanted me to do. I mean, I did most of it. I did almost all of it. I mean, I made my bed really, really good. Look how tight that is. You can bounce a quarter off that. But I asked you to do the floor. Well, I'll, I'll do it later. You know, I want, I want to finish a game. I'll, I'll get to it. 99% obedience is not obedience. Obedience is binary. It is on or it is off. Now, if we miss it, if we make a mistake and we blow it, God has grace for that. That's why we ask God to forgive us. He gives us grace. He pulls us back up. He sets us up straight. He helps us move forward. But if we're living our life like, well, I mean, I do most of the things that God wants me to do. That's a rebellious heart. That's a, I think you know most things, but maybe not all things. And I'm going to keep a little bit of reserve for myself. That's a different way to live. So think about it in your own life. 
Jesus was clear on his calling, and he was not going to be pushed away. But what if it had been different? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever read the Bible and said, well, what if somebody would have decided to do something differently? What if Jesus turned out to be really more of like a people pleaser? You know, Peter pulled, Jesus, come over here. Jesus, come over here. Jesus like, yeah, yeah, what's up, Peter? What's up? He's like, yeah, I don't like this plan. Really? Why not? Well, you know, you kind of die in this plan. This is not a good plan. And I'm upset about it. Now, you know, now Jesus, I've been talking to people. You know how this works, right? Everyone's saying, they've heard this before. They don't like the plan. But they asked me to talk to you about it. They don't like the plan. Okay, you don't see Jesus listening to that. You don't see Jesus thinking, well, you know, I don't want to hurt their feelings. And, you know, I do want them to have a high ownership of the plan. You know, maybe we should get together as a team and, and really decide together what would be God's plan for my life. You know, maybe we do that as a team project. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. You know, Peter's near and dear to me, and I certainly don't want to have, like, a disagreement or a church split this early on. I mean, come on, there's only 11 of these guys that are going to make it. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't delegate away the responsibility he has for the decisions that he makes for his own life. You will never be able to listen to, the, listen to me. You will never be able to delegate away the responsibility you have before God for the decisions that you make. You can't say, oh, well, that, well they wanted me to really... No. Well, it was just really hard in that environment. Uh-huh, yeah, but you're still responsible. We can never delegate away our free will decision-making to somebody else. We've got to stand before God and give it count. I don't think Jesus was a people pleaser. He was a father pleaser. But I want you to write this down. This is just like a little extra. There's no blank. Just write this down. Jesus loved Peter enough to disappoint him in the short term to save him in the long term. And sometimes in our relationships, we have to be willing to do that. I'm going to disappoint you today, but I promise you're going to love me tomorrow. I'm going to disappoint you today and come back to see me in three years with a thank you card. Sometimes you got to do some of the things in the short term to bring long-term health. So how do we, you know, how do we do this? How do we love people? How do we lead people that are control freaks. They're always trying to scrape at us, push us, push us off the path, lead us somewhere we don't want to go. How should we be? So here's our one big action. This is literally what I'm challenging you to start doing today. Write this down. I will change what I accept and what I expect. Write it down. I will change what I accept and what I expect. If I don't like what I have, I'm going to change it. I'm going to change what I accept. And I'm going to change what I expect from maybe myself, from other people. I'm not going to just allow people to push and prod me around. 
I'm going to have confidence in the call that God has in my life. So let's look back at this. This is Matthew 16, 23. We're going to go through this. This is the expanded portion of the scripture we've already started. And we're going to break this down. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are, and this is a different translation, but interesting. You are a dangerous trap for me. You're not making this easier. You're making this harder. And there can be people in our lives that love you to death, but they're making it harder on you to do God's will for your life. You're a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, everybody focus in here. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross, an instrument of execution and death, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Jesus says with Satan and Peter, get away from me. This is unacceptable. I don't accept it. Think about Peter. This is unacceptable. If you're going to follow me, this is what Jesus is saying. He's like, no, no, this is unacceptable. This right here is behaving like the devil behaves, trying to get me distracted off the plan for my life, off the plan that the Father wants. You are trying to push me off the path. This is unacceptable. If you're going to be a part of this group, If you're going to be a part of this group, here's how we're going to be. Here's what I expect. I expect you to pick up your cross and to follow me. I expect you to lay down your life, to deny yourself, to deny what your selfishness wants and craves, to deny your desires, to lay it all down, to kill it all, to follow me. Here's the deal. Write this down. Think about this. Jesus never taught affirmational inclusion. He never said, come follow me, but do what you want. Come follow me, but be however you want to be. Come follow me, do whatever you want. It's not what he told Peter. It's not what he tells us. Jesus never taught affirmational inclusion, meaning just come follow me, but be whatever way you want to be, live your truth. He never said that. He demanded, listen to me, he demanded transformational inclusion. I include everyone, but in your coming with me, following me, you are laying down your life. You are denying your desires. You are saying no to selfishness and yes to me as Savior. I'm not turning you from ah, kind of bad to good. I am turning you from death to life. Lay all of that down to follow me, just like Christ laid all of his life down for you and me. 
There is no room in following Jesus for 99%. We are in or we are out. There is no partial obedience. So when Jesus is saying to Peter, get behind me, you are either with me or you're for me. There's not really any in between. I'm not done. If I'm going, I'm going all the way. Let me give you a preview. When you live your life, and I've had some people near and dear to my life pass away as of late. When you live your life, and then you're done here on this earth, you are not going to stand before culture. You're not going to stand before the school board. You're not going to stand before the VP of marketing. You're not going to stand before your friends. You're not going to stand before your family. You're not going to stand before your kids. You're going to stand before an almighty God who's going to ask you two questions. What did you do with my son Jesus? And what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with that time? What did you do with those talents I gave you? What did you do with those relationships I put in your path? What did you do with your free will to be able to choose me or not choose me? What did you do? That's who you're going to answer to. So I'm going to answer to. So don't live for the crowd. Live your life for an audience of one. If there are people in your life that are pulling you away from the one, what good is it if you gain the whole world? You make Elon Musk look poor, but you lose your soul. It's not worth it. Hear me on this. In Christ, this goes counterculture, and it might make some people mad. In Christ, you are not your desires. You're a child of God. That's who you are. Just because you feel it doesn't mean you need to do it. Just because selfishness wants it doesn't mean you need to cave. Last time I checked, God will never allow you to be tempted with more than you can bear, and you can live a life full of light, full of righteousness, transformed by the amazing gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't need to be perfect. We already serve the one who is. We just need to be submitted. You are not your desires. You are a child of God. Walk in that. Be able to stand up and say, I don't accept this. If you want to be a part of my life and my future, we need to talk about expectations. So in our relationships, think about this. Let's say there's some people in your life that you love and you're convinced they love you, but they're really hurtful to you in the way they talk. They cut you down a lot more than they build you up. They make you feel smaller than bigger. They make you feel nervous, 
more than approachable and safe. There's some weird relationship of like, I know they love me, but they, I get scared sometimes or it makes me feel small. Are you supposed to just accept that your whole life? Or maybe could there come a time and power by the Spirit of God, you say, can we please have a clarifying conversation? And you agree to talk and you say something like, I love you so much and I know that you love me. But when you talk to me like that, it makes me feel scared and small. It makes me feel afraid. And I don't want to live like that. I refuse to accept that anymore. I'm not going to accept it. If you're going to continue to tear me down, be hard on me, inappropriately so, I don't accept it. I don't accept it. So if you want a part of my life, if you want me to be with you, I want us to talk about expectations. What can we do to change it? What can we do to fix it? What can we do to move forward and find health? So I'm not going to just accept everything that comes along. I'm going to change that. I'm going to change what I expect. Maybe you sit down and talk and you say, you know what? You're right. I'm louder than I should be. I shouldn't talk to you like that. I don't mean to, but then I just get mad. I kind of fly off the handle. I don't want to do that. I want to get better. I want to change. I love you. I want to stay together. I'm telling you something. If those conversations never happen, it's going to stay the same the rest of your life until probably one of you decides, that's it. I'm done. I'm out. Change what you expect. Change what you accept. One of the biggest problems in relationships is differing expectations. You expect one thing, and your significant other expects something else. Like, you just go into marriage thinking like, well, I'm going to run the money. And they're like, say what? <laughs> um, you just go into the relationship like, well, you're going to cook. And you're like, oh, am I? You go into a relationship and say, oh, we're going to have six kids. I'm telling you, differing expectations is a breeding ground for contention and heartbreak. You've got to have unity on big expectation parts of your life in your relationships. Have a clarifying conversation about time, about communication. If you're a parent with kids, about church community, like there have so many students and kids here today, and go kids, it's so, it's so amazing. I'm so proud of you guys as parents. You guys have made a decision. We could be doing a lot of things today. We're here. We're learning. We're growing. You want to make a priority of that presence of God, people of God with you and your kids. But if your kids get older and they're like, I'm tired. I don't want to get up. I don't want to go to church. You know, what do you believe then? You know, if they're fussing and fighting about it, like all I did too as a teenager, I want to sleep. No want to get up, no likey. And, you know, my mom would just beat me. <laughs> it wasn't an option for me. I would argue about it, but I, was, I knew I was still going to go. Change what you expect. Change what you accept. And talk about these things to the people that you care about. So talk to your teenagers and say, this is why we're getting up. This is why we're doing this. You know, if you wouldn't let them skip school because they're tired, why would you let them skip church? Ouch. I'll say it again. If you wouldn't let your kids skip practice, 
Come on. You're not going to let them skip school. You're not going to let them skip that tutoring session that you paid for already. If you're not going to let them skip work, we're going to let them skip church. If you do, you teach them God is not number one. He's number one as long as you have enough energy to participate. So you limit God by your own limitations. Today, I want us to get this in our heart. The idea of what is God's call for your life? Get clarity on that. Let's pray for that. Second thing, what do we need to start accepting or not accepting? What are we expecting in our relationships? What are we not expecting? What are we doing about it? Submit all of that to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, okay? Submit all of it to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. God, we come to you today, and we ask that you would do a work from the inside out. I ask that you would do a work from the inside out. Help us to sense you. Help us to feel your presence. Help us to respond. Help us to know what things we need to say no to, what things we need to say yes to. In all of our relationships, God, I pray the empowerment of your spirit. My friends, I want you to hear this. I wrote this down. I wanted to make sure and say this today. I feel like God just put it into my heart for us. Following God forever sometimes means disappointing people for now. For now. This is not license to be a jerk. We're going to love people like Jesus did. But sometimes you have to say to somebody who loves you, that's not the way. I can't accept that. I've got to stay true to what God's called me to be who God's called me to be. And if that means I lose a job, well, I'll find me another one. If it means that I start spending time with other people, well, God's going to bring some healthy people my way that will help me lead me down the right path to love and serve him. God, I just pray for every single follower of, of you, every single follower of Jesus. God, I pray the discernment of the Spirit. Help us to know what to choose, why to choose it. Help us to sense your voice, sense your calling, sense your direction. God, I pray for those in this house that they are following you the best they know how. And right now, it's a tough situation. God, I pray that you would remind them of the call that you have in their life. Take them back to that place. Take them back to that moment where they pray. Take them back to that time. Give them confidence today. Give us confidence in your calling today, God. Give us great wisdom and love and tact and humility, knowing how to live and love the people in our life that are sometimes hard. Help us to model the way in this. This is the gospel. I want to give every single person an opportunity, those watching, those here in this room today. The most important thing, the most important relationship that you could ever have is with Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son. God loves you so much that he has you right here today, maybe for the first time, maybe to hear the gospel for the very first time. And this is it, that God loved you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus. We read about him. We talked about him. He lived the perfect life without sin, one that we could never live. We were born messed up. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that we could never live. And he laid that perfect life down in exchange for ours, paying our bill of sin and spiritual grossness. Jesus paid that with his life. His body was broken. The blood flowed. 
This was the sacrifice that would make us clean if we believe in him. But that's not the end of the story. They pulled his dead body off of that cross and they put him into a tomb. And it was guarded to avoid any kind of controversy. One day, two days. But on the third day, Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, was resurrected. He's alive. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your life, and it starts by knowing you, you knowing him, you trusting him, that what he did through his life, death, and resurrection is enough for you to have a relationship with the Holy God now into eternity. If you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the leader of your life, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now out loud, bold, boldly. Pray this, Jesus, thank you for speaking to my heart. I ask that you would forgive me of every sin. I am making you the Lord and the leader of my life. And I'm going to follow you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.